Well, hey, welcome everyone to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. Stand up. There you go. Dam- damn it, Giyub, you ruined you ruined my you ruined my intro, Giyub. <laughs> and we're here, we're here in in Morrowind. This is episode sixty-seven of Classic Classic Elder Scrolls: The Ashlanders or Ashley Madisoners. <laughs> this is Classic. Brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, QuestGamingNetwork.com, and your favorite RSS reader. Today's record date is Freydas, the third of first seed, and I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Evarwin, and I am joined by the man who would marry an Ashlander, but only if she didn't smell bad, Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. Hello, everybody. Yes, uh, you know, the, these indigenous people uh, in the Ashlands there, I don't see much water up by the volcano, so I'm thinking they probably scrub themselves with pumice stones, but not with water to go with it. So they probably smell bad. Yeah, that's probably. Plus all that, that skulk that they eat and, you know, the mud crabs can't be that good for them. Not to mention the scrib jelly. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Maybe yeah. they use that as deodorant or hair gel. Ever have a scrib jelly and uh, and and uh, ash butter sandwich? No, I haven't. It's not good. Oh, okay, good. It tastes like um, if you were to take um, fluff and uh, sprinkle sprinkle uh, you know and, and, and ash, fluff and ash, and put it in a pita. Anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like oh, where do I go with that, that well cl- clearly you guys have never tried them toasted before then it's just oh, alright now <laughs> that sounds off the bone that sounds good actually yeah a toasted scrib jelly and ash sandwich yes but what falls off the bone your face mm. yeah cause it's pretty much the only thing in there that has bones yeah okay <laughs> uh, of course uh, this this gentleman you are now hearing is the one and only the sonarist himself. Currently bathes in ash and lives on land. Mark, Mark's an Ashlander, eh? Hey, look, you may laugh now, but you know I'm I'm gonna make this uh, bathing in ash a whole rage and get all the wealthy Dunmer up here, and then who's gonna be? You know, who, then I'm gonna be uh, bathing in gold, Scrooge McDuck style. Wow, Scrooge McDuck style, you say? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. That, that, uh, that was... I'm hoping the volcano doesn't melt it, because then it might be more of, uh, what is it, Veneri's Targaryen? Well, uh, I don't think you have to worry about that, because or... Scrooge McDuck can go back in time now. That is true. Because the new Scrooge McDuck for the new uh, DuckTales is Doctor Who. Which which Doctor? Yep. The Tenth Doctor. David Tennant. David Tennant is playing Scrooge McDuck. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, it is. After the show, go look it up. Oh my god, I'm... Uh... He's gonna go watch DuckTales now. Ooh. <laughs> you know, when when they made the remake, or the uh, the remaster of the, video, of the DuckTales Nintendo game last year, or a year or two ago, they actually got all the voice actors back, including the man that did the original Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> to voice the game. Really? Yeah, he he was he unfortunately he died last year. I last year or the year before, oh. but after he made the game. But he was in his 90s and he came back and it's it's spot on. Like they even had the actual background artists and everyone from the show come in to do all the backgrounds and everything. 
That sounds awesome. If, oh, yeah, no. If you play the NES game and you love the, the DuckTales show, yeah. grab it on Steam. It's just it's a fun little game, and it's such nostalgia. Well, let, let me uh, let me just put this out there. Um, it seems that uh, podcast listeners are getting an extra five minutes here, not not previously offered to the stream or uh, on YouTube, because um, for some odd reason, uh, OBS did not when I when I clicked start streaming, we did not in fact start streaming. <laughs> oh God damn it! <laughs> I know, I know. So we're gonna. Unfortunately. We, we got to do the intro all over again, but we're just going to barrel on through, okay? So let me save this. Save this for the podcast listeners. Yeah, this is gold. This is podcast listen. Uh, gold podcast gold for for those <laughs> folks. Um, and let's. Uh, so I hit I hit start streaming now. Let's let's see what happens here. Let's see. Got to reload the page. But is that now? Or like now, now. Or like now, now. Okay, I I actually just got an audible message. Audible, hey, uh, from from my phone saying that we are we are now live. Uh, so so that's great. Uh, take two, I guess, uh, for for podcast listeners. Uh, but take one for for you folks watching the stream and uh, here on YouTube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. This is episode sixty-seven. The Ashlanders, this is in fact classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is Freydos, the third of First Seed, and I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Evarwin, and I am joined... I feel so bad for podcast listeners. We got to go through this crap joke all over again. <laughs> it really is. I am joined... By the man who would marry an Ashlander, but only if she didn't smell Mike, the Tamrielic historian. Hello, everybody. And yes, you know, when you live up that far near the Red Mountain, there's no water. I'm sure Valen's going to correct me. And then we'll have him marry the Ashlanders instead. Right. So, you know. Insert joke about scrib jelly and ash... Uh... Ash uh, sandwiches, ash butter sandwiches, uh, a few, a few uh, unknowing uh, way, uh, ways to move that joke, and and, he, and now we're on to Mark, Mark the scenarist <laughs> who currently bathes in ash. He lives on land. Mark's an Ashlander, and then I put in a because he's Canadian, which makes it doubly funny. <laughs> oh, you hoser! Uh, come now, I'm friend. Look, I already used my A material. I'm frantically looking up what creatures take dust baths and trying to figure out something to do with that. Uh, come back to me later. <laughs> I think elephants do, don't they? I think they do. Chinchillas, yeah, birds. Ch- chinchillas are well-known dust bathers. Mm-hmm. Dust bunnies, uh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, okay, just j- just imagine I said something funny about uh, chinchillas, and we'll go on. From there. <laughs> Uh, Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> so it's great to be here. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> so for those watching uh, on YouTube, go and see the podcasting to get the actual <sighs> opening. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal stuff. Um, hello, chat room. Hello. Thank you for for joining us. And we're here. Uh, we're we're here in Morrowind. And we're going to be talking about a, uh, a, a lesser-known tribe of 
gray-skinned heathens known as the Ashlanders in just a minute. Um, but we want to uh, we would just want to let you guys know that you can uh, you know we, you can definitely check us out on um, uh, questgamingnetwork.com as well as uh, you can email us at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com. And you can connect with us on Twitter, at Elder Scrolls OTR. Uh, we do have a Facebook, facebook.com slash network. No one cares about Google+. Plus. <laughs> and, uh, Is that even around? <laughs> yeah. Only, well, I mean, how else are, are Google employees supposed to talk to each other? Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's that one guy at home who's going, Oh, <laughs> I love my Google Plus account. It links everything I do on Google. <laughs> okay, and I'm getting text messages now. <laughs> it's all the Google Plus users. They're like, we know yeah. you are out there. Yeah, they're like, God damn it. You had to just... <laughs> the protests start. Good job, Varwin. I'm I'm sorry. I... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, all right, I'll tell you what. Mike, uh, why don't you tell everyone what we're uh, what we're doing today? Okay, so today we are going into Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 3. We are going to cover the history of the Ashlanders. Uh, the Sonaris is going to bring the Ashla- what the Ashlanders bring. Mm. What effects does the inclusion of Ashlanders bring to the narrative and gameplay of Morrowind? We have a fast question, some crafting, the, this week's in Tamrielic Holidays, and some tweets and emails. And with that... I'm going to turn it over to my good friend, Jazzledar. Ah, Jazzledar, if you please. get uh, Listeners, please uh, gather alongside the fire with your Alfik and your brother that turned into a Sench Mount in Elder Scrolls Online. I'm so sorry about that. But here is Jazzledar. <laughs> this one has been lounging around Hughes Bay. The sun is warm and the sand is dry. The gold is plentiful. Too bad there is the iron wheel. Not Why does this one stole my uh, uh, Hold Whenever... on. I heard them Mike, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sure they'll let us go. <sighs> we're going to have to. Scratch. No, no, we're okay. It's just, unfortunately, the audio is conflicting with, uh, with your voice. So I'm going to reduce the voice. I am so sorry, guys. We we're on a real train wreck right now. Please, Mike, please. <laughs> Uh, please uh, start over. Uh, please put your paws together. Pay no attention to the to Jiub behind the curtain. Uh, Jazzledar, please. This one has been lounging around Hughes Bane, and the sun is warm, the sand is dry, and the gold is plentiful. Too bad there is the iron wheel. Why, this one wonders. Whenever there is a problem, an oppressive military force must come to the area, only to find out that they are the cause of the corruption. Perhaps they should stay at home, so this one does not have to fix them. Yes? Yes. But enough of the problems of Hughes Bane. You, dear listener, you are here for a reading, no? Tonight, Job and Zenithar form a sextile. That predisposes one towards dreaming with one's eyes open. Would this be the third eye? Perhaps. This one wonders what one would perceive should one be able to see both the physical and the spiritual world simultaneously. May your dreams become your reality, and may warm sands be in your future. Ah, very good, Jezeldar. Uh <laughs> Sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's train not, wreck night. Uh, yeah, I, I think every now and again, you you got to have a train wreck night, and I think tonight might be it. We're starting nearly an hour late. You know, we're 
we're, we're trying to make sure that we're, we're done for, for daggers and time for them. You know, <laughs> the chat room's laughing. They're like, eh. anyone who's played Morrowind will totally understand. And I am definitely about to experience a crash at some point in the next 30 minutes, I am willing to bet. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Elder Scrolls. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mark, uh, let's let's uh, do a little something different here. And, uh, Mark, why don't you do this week in Tamrielic Holidays? It's the part I was born to play. Yeah! Okay, well, <laughs> Sun's Dawn the 27th. This was Presser... Uh, Perseverance Day. Perseverance Day is quite a party in Yakalon. Uh, it uh, it was originally held as a solemn memorial to those killed in battle while resisting the Camoran uh, usurper, but has since become a boisterous festival. And there, let's not forget that the day after Sun's Dawn the twenty eighth was Arduros. Now, the uh, villages of the Bantha of the Bantha crap sand people. <laughs> wow, we got we're getting. I'm sorry about that. I'm getting rid of this right away. The the villages in the Bantha so, uh, celebrate the baser urges that come on with spring t- that come that come with springtide on the Ardus now. The traditions vary from village to village, but none of them are for the overly virtuous. Sand people and porn, no less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> That's it. This one's got to be changed from the Ashlanders, Ashley Madisoners, to the train wreck. Ashley Madison. <laughs> Oh, life's too short. Play Morrowind. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, (laughs) now now before we attempt to actually get this this show started, uh, we do have a couple of things that we'd like to quickly mention. Um, Number one, the QGN store is now up and ready to rock. So, um, hey, show your QGN pride with a, uh, a brand new hoodie. Uh, your armor looking kind of weak without that QG DND T-shirt in both male and female cuts, or shore up your fall Fallout shelter with a pile of KDR KD Radio coffee mugs. All the ceramic for your power armor needs. We got to rewrite this. <laughs> we got to rewrite that. Listen, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the no nonsense uh, ad for this. Um, uh, we are we do have it. We have a do we do have a uh, QGN store up on questgamingnetwork.com through Spreadshirt. We've got a lot of cool stuff on there as far as you know hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs go. We're gonna be looking to add more things like you know cell phone cases and whatnot. Um, right now we've got uh, t-shirts, hoodies, and and. Um, uh, coffee mugs uh, featuring the logos of Elder Scrolls Off the Record, um, KD Radio, QG D&D, and the Quest Gaming Network logo as well. Um, so go check it out. All right. I'm, I'm hoping uh, that maybe you guys find something there that you like. And if you don't, that's fine. Just uh, send us an email with a suggestion of yours, and uh, we'll try and see if we can get it up on the store. Uh, at uh, questgamingnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, this is, you know, like all like all brand new stores, 
Uh, it's a work in progress, and we're we're looking to uh, to make it even better than than what it already is. Uh, so go check us out on uh, questgamingnetwork.com, and uh, go ahead and click on the uh, QGN shop link on the very the very top there. Uh, we also want to let you know that the very first annual, yes, first annual QGN Con is coming. Join the members of Quest Gaming Network this October on the West 74th Street, Midtown, Manhattan, the Baseball Center on West 74th Street in Midtown, Manhattan for QGN Con coming this October. Come join your QGN host for a live broadcast. So uh, interactive gaming sessions such as uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering uh, or just hang out and have a good time. So there's that. Uh, so yeah, that's a it's a big thing. Um, we are looking to do um, Elder Scrolls off the record. We're hoping to do KD Radio live shows. Okay, in front of the audience. Uh, we are looking to have a uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Magic the Gathering tournament. With some prizes, uh, Mark is going to come and uh, do a Dungeons and Dragons session as well. Um, all of this stuff, you know, just one simple door charge gets you in for the entire day, and you can sit in and uh, watch, you know, two awesome shows uh, record live in front of you. Bring your Magic the Gathering cards, bring your pen and paper for D and D, uh, and we're going to have some great, uh, great prizes for uh, for the Magic the Gathering folks. And that's just to start off with. We're looking to pack the day even further with with other stuff. Uh, for QGN Con. And again, uh, that is going to be October. I think it's October 4th. I think is the day we settled on for that. Yeah. No, looking forward to it. Yeah. So uh, October 4th. Uh, now, what's this little bit here we got on uh, Amazon Prime? What, what's what's yeah, this, so this for PAX East? This brought to my attention today. Uh, so if you're going to PAX East next Friday and you have an Amazon Prime account or a Twitch Prime account, since both of them are linked together, uh, they have special uh, benefits, so make sure you check in uh, because there's things like a member's lounge, free coats check service, and special rewards for those that are Amazon Prime or Twitch Prime uh, members going to PAX East next Friday. So if you're seeing this live or listening to us later you know, uh, and you're going to uh, PAX, make sure uh, that you check in. Yeah. Now, now Mike, you're, you're going to... Uh... You're going yes, to PAX, I am. Right? Yeah. So myself and Wicked Wolf are going to be at PAX. Uh, so if you, you know, uh, are going to PAX and you follow me on uh, uh, social media, you know, just let me know that you're going to be there, and uh, you know, we'll try and uh, get together. Okay. Let me know how you do over there, because um, hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get uh, you know, like a nice uh, special report from you on on how PAX went. Um. For Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm hoping, because I've got a, a meeting at 5 o'clock on Friday with uh, members of the Zoss team to, you know, ask some questions. So uh, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to, you know, get some good information that, that I can share with people. And, you know, at least, if nothing else, get to know some of the members of the Zoss team yeah. and finally meet them face to face. Yeah, exactly. Now, it, it's my understanding that uh, PAX does, like, special uh, pins or something, like collectible pins, each one's. Uh, different, and apparently they're doing uh, ones of the Morrowind symbol. I saw it on Twitter today. Yes, the Morrowind, the bottle cap, and the uh, prey one are coming from Bethesda. Ah, awesome. 
Sweet. So. Let's try and see if you can scoop up some extra swag. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll just walk by the table and just be like, "Yeah, I'll take this and push it all right uh, into the bag." Do you need a Do you need a man bag? I have one here that's gone unused. Since <laughs> the, the other packs. I thought that was your man purse. <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> it's a satchel. God damn, it's a satchel. <laughs> I, funny thing, I actually um, for Christmas I actually ended up. Oh, my parents got me the. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Online satchel from Bethesda, uh, from Bethesda. Mm. and that's basically what I've been using to go back and forth uh, to work uh, to work every day. Works I like it. Just yeah, it works just fine. My boss said, "Hey, that's that's a really nice, uh, a really nice bag you got there." Yeah, yeah. Was he being serious or was he making fun? No, seriously, <laughs> it's it's a very good quality bag. Uh, he had no clue what the uh, the Ouroboros on it was was for but he thought it was a cool design right That's cool. so yeah well good i'm I, glad he thinks like that yeah oh exactly and i work in a law office so the fact that i can't you know it's like hey no that's that's a nice bag go ahead keep using it we don't you know we're not worried about the client seeing that <laughs> cool well, probably pretty, my dark brotherhood t-shirt probably wouldn't fly well there probably wouldn't fly that maybe yeah. a casual day but <laughs> otherwise <laughs> although that that uh, Dark Brotherhood um, uh, uh, bound notebook there that's going for $300. Oh, my God. Wow. $300 notebook. Just Yeah. Oof. It's leather. It's embossed. It's got raised parts to it. It looks amazing. But it is way outside of what I could afford. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll have one of those as a free swag when I'm there this week. Or, Or hear me out. Maybe QGN will get it for you, and you can do a product review. Hey, 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 hey! I like that. All right, guys. Not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, could you tell? <laughs> Somewhere. No, we we do stuff like that. We do stuff like that oh, all yeah, time. Oh yeah, the book no, reviews, Mike. No, for for a three hundred dollar notebook, I. I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> Ollie, what's the weather like out there? It's a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's a notebook out there. Uh, all right, guys. Um, let's uh, let's roll into uh, some gameplay, guys. What do you think? Okay. Sounds like a plan. Mark, what have you been doing in game lately? Uh, myself, I have actually been, for the most part, just uh, getting on ESO every once in a while and uh, trying out, um, you know, doing crafting rates, that type of thing. But I, I have been spending a little bit of time poking back into Morrowind. Um, I think over a year ago, I ended up having to step away from my um, my uh, my streams just because things were busy, and I was just sort of picking up, like picking as to well, where was I in this game? And I realized, you know what, I wasn't that too far off from finishing the main the main quest. So. I don't know. I, I might need to look into if maybe in a few months things will calm down. And I'll be able to really look into getting a uh, doing a stream or two here and there. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah. I was just remembering like, man, I oh, yeah, this character was not good with fighting, but she was really good with talking. <laughs> Talk her way out of anything. Yeah. Yeah, that Talk is one of the things. It is one of the things that I did appreciate about Morrowind was that 
Um, I, I like that uh, being a talking character was much more straightforward than it was in Oblivion and um, in Oblivion and in Skyrim. Like Skyrim, you didn't really see an effect from it. In Oblivion, just any time you wanted to do something, you had to play that god awful mini game. Mm-hmm. Speech pizza. Yeah, speech pizza. Yeah. Speech pizza with the orcs was the worst because you had to look at them. <laughs> speech pizza in Oblivion was bad because you had to look at any of the potato faces. <laughs> really bad mike (laughs) (laughs) holy (laughs) (laughs) just 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 driving on that that anti-orc train right on through you don't even care (laughs) just pick up that thread where i last left it (laughs) that's awesome uh what else mark what else have you been doing uh for me that's that's pretty much it uh i've been editing uh a QGD and D episode, which has been kicking my ass. Mm. Um, it was just one of these ones where everything that could go wrong with look at this way, we have two recordings, mine and Mike's. My recording, everyone but myself is basically inaudible. The, the sound is there, it just they're so quiet. You can you, there's no point. Mike's recording, everything's fine except he's inaudible, and on top of it. Uh, we were playing over TeamSpeak, and someone was trying to log into the channel um, constantly throughout, like, the second half. So using Mike's recording was the best part, except for all of a sudden, in this entire second half, you just keep getting, this person's logging into the channel. This person has lost internet connection. This person is logging into the channel. Oh, God. This person has lost internet So I, I pretty much decided that, you know what, I'll... There is a spot where at this point a fight's going on that lasts like an hour. I'm just going to cut that out and say, here's the synopsis audio air. It's I, I don't have the talent to fix this. And I don't think people want to wait another week for me to get it to try and salvage that. Yeah. Especially since we got some really good episodes coming up. So, oh, some the the next episode, Mike. The next episode, if I remember correctly, is uh, the one with the fight in the bar. Oh, okay. So this is the one it, that that Joe uh, guest starred. Yes, yes. So uh, some really good stuff coming up. Yeah. Good. Okay. When's the next episode coming out? You think? Uh, I should have it to you by tomorrow. Nice. And from there. Uh, yeah, the moment the moment I have it up, I'll release it. Great. So, so the uh, the following day, so so podcast listeners, if you're listening to this on the first day that this comes out, you can look forward to um, you can look forward to QG D and D being out tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, any other day after after Saturday, uh, it's available right now. Go go check it out. QG D and D on QuestGamingNetwork.com. You get the RSS feed there, and then uh, subscribe to it on your favorite RSS reader. Um, we're, it's also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and uh, uh, oh yeah yeah everywhere else. So, um, Mike, what about you? What are you doing in game? What's going on with you? So, as many of our listeners uh, of Elder Scrolls Off the Record know, uh, Zoss has disabled champion points and doubled AP in Cyrodiil all week. So, I have been living in Cyrodiil in the Elder Scrolls Online, uh, trying to 
gain levels, gain AP to get the Akaviri style. Um, just, you know, doing stuff in there. So, been in there doing that. Uh, I tried logging into Morrowind in preparation for uh, tonight's uh, episode. Mm. And I got out of, I logged in, I was in Belmora. I'm like, okay, I'll go and use a Silt Strider, go to Vivek. The Silt Strider wasn't there. I'm like, well, that's strange. So then I walked outside, walked across the bridge, got over by the, the Imperial Fort, and it crashed. Uh-oh. Logged back in, tried again, crashed. So third time, I'm like, started swearing, and I'm like, that's it. No, I'm done. I'll come back to this later when I'm more calm. And then off to Cyrodiil again, I went. <laughs> I, uh, I, I hear you on that one. Um, I need to do something that's not going to enrage me as much. I'm going to go do PvP. The hell? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that's, that's different. I didn't say it wasn't going to enrage me as much. It's just that at least that rage can be channeled. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think, honestly, that's what's important here. That's the takeaway. <laughs> Mike, let me guess the hierarchy. Uh, trying to get out of Dagger Falls dungeon is more enraging than playing. Getting Morrowind working is more enraging than playing PvP. Yeah, that's about right, you know, because usually I can get into uh, Morrowind without a problem, but it just was definitely not something that was going to happen. So I was like, I don't have the patience this week to sit here and play around with trying to get uh, a game to 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 load in for me. Uh, I'll find something else to do. Right. I hear you. That often happens when, when you jump into, you know, some of these uh, older Elder Scrolls games. And, and you know, tr- truth be told, um, you know, as much as I love Daggerfall, you can only play it for so long before you want to throw your computer out the window. Yep. And back in my day, that's all you had to play. <laughs> Back in my day, uh, we, we uh, often threw our computers out the window. It was known as throwing your computer out the window day, which was a day that was celebrated among the Akaviri, actually. <laughs> That's another Scrolls joke if you missed it. <laughs> and we would wear a skooma on our belt, which was the style at the time. <laughs> no, we would wear a ash yam on our belt. There we go. Now there, now there's some, some Elder Scrolls loving. Here's a here's a barrel here. I wonder what's in this barrel. Do you do you honestly think, guys, that maybe if I open up this barrel, like a really special ring might be in there? Do you think? Mm. Do you think? No. No. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that lucky. <gasps> oh my god, there's a ring in here. <laughs> Gauntlet of the horny Oh come on. Oh god, oh no. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Zoss, how could you? Zoss. Bethesda, how could you? Um, so when it comes to when it comes to uh, Elder Scrolls, I've been playing a lot of Elder Scrolls Online lately, and uh, believe it or not, in Cyrodiil, but not for the AP. No, not for the Alliance points. Um, I've actually been playing uh, Elder uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, because I sort of got into um, this this sort of thing where. Um, I, I've been noticing that that Cyrodiil itself, even though is is meant for PvP, is sort of like the undiscovered zone for PvE. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, which I'm going to say it again, last week's um, challenge on Elder Scrolls Off the Record still is for today, and that challenge is 
go into Cyrodiil and either by yourself or with somebody else and just explore. That is your challenge for this week. Explore in Cyrodiil. Doesn't matter what campaign. Doesn't matter uh, if it's peak time or if it's slow time in there. I'm not looking for you to get slaughtered in PvP. I'm not looking for you to um, survive the experience exploring in there. What I'm looking for you to do is to have uh, an experience in in Cyrodiil through exploration that you never thought would happen in a zone like that. You, you might think like, you know, oh, I'm in Orsinium and, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of lore when I explore is, is just par for the course and you would be right. But the same thing is true for Cyrodiil as well. And here's a great example. Um, this happened to me, I think it was, um, I think it was yesterday I was playing. And um, I'm on I'm on my DPS character, Paladin uh, Knight Marlow, rather. And um, I'm sort of running about, and he's a he's a Daggerfall Covenant character. So I zone into Cyrodiil, and I'm on the if you look at the map, I'm on the um, northwestern portion of of the map there. And um, I'm sort of running around that that area that is basically owned by the Daggerfall Covenant, and um, like that, that top corner of the map there. And and I find a group of revelers drinking. So I'm like, oh, this is just like Skyrim. This is great. Let me check this out. I, I never thought I'd see this. It's a bunch of NPCs just, just standing around in a circle, just drinking, dancing, playing the lute. And I'm like, this is hilarious. You know, they it's like a little campsite going and they've got a fire going and there's some bedrolls down there. I'm like, this is hilarious. You know, this is the kind of thing I'm looking for. Turns out that they're Daedric worshippers of Sanguine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever noticed this before, but I guarantee you a lot of the PvP folks out there don't know that this is in the game. And I think maybe you should just stop and for, for a day or two and just take in these sites because you might find something crazy like this. Now, the story gets even better. I start talking to some of the NPCs like you do in, in Skyrim and you get a little bit of a quest. Well, guess what? That happens here too. I spoke to one of the one of the NPCs. He offers me a drink. I'm like, oh, here we go, baby. Here we go. This is going to be amazing. So I start reveling with them, right? I take the drink. All of a sudden, my screen gets fuzzy. My character collapses, and it goes. It just fades to black. The whole screen fades to black. Fades from black, and my character gets up, dusts himself off, and and here I am. No revelers around. And as a matter of fact, as I'm looking around, I don't remember those particular mountains being around me. <laughs> and I'm like, huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Where am I? <laughs> what just happened? I open up the map. I'm on the complete other side of Cyrodiil, in the heart of Ebonheart Pact territory. Nice. The sworn enemies. Nice. Of the Daggerfall Covenant. And I am laughing hysterically. Like, I can't believe this. And that's it. That's the end of the quest. That's it. And I, I actually... Yeah, I, I actually... Oh. Soon after the game came out, I, I bumped into that. That was hilarious. I love that one. Yes. I, I think you're one of the few people I've talk, I've ever heard talking about it, though. 
I'm not surprised because you know, yeah. P, I mean, look, Cyrodiil is meant for PvP. That is the that is the reason why you go there to to PvP. I mean, PvPing is is not offered in any other area of the game. So if you want to do it, you got to go to Cyrodiil. So it doesn't it 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 doesn't uh, surprise me that that you know a lot of people that go into Cyrodiil are not really going to find this sort of thing because that's just not what they're there for. You know, if you're, if you're there to, if, if other people are, um, look, if you're looking to get that kind of experience, it's just Cyrodiil is just the back burner of expectations on that is really what I'm trying to say. Um, but yet it's there, you can do this stuff. And, and so, so, so my challenge to you, and it still stands this week, go into Cyrodiil and just, just run around. Just run around, and I guarantee you, even if you do it with, if you, especially if you do this with a friend, if you run around out there just collecting sky shards and uh, doing delves and, and getting um, getting lore books for uh, for the Mages Guild, I guarantee you're going to find something out there that you never would have expected, or you're going to have an experience there that you never would have thought you could have in, in Cyrodiil. Guaranteed. Yeah. Happens yeah. to me every single time I go in there. So it's awesome. So that's what I've been doing in game. I love it. All right. Um, I'm anxious to get into uh, the history of because I want to. I want to hear about these Ashlanders. But um, before we do that, I, I sort of want to just uh, mention our sponsor, Tweaked Audio, uh, TweakedAudio.com, and and just sort of remind listeners again that uh, TweakedAudio.com has probably the best earbuds. For, for the price, uh, hands down. Um, top quality earbuds, and I'm talking not only in, in sound output, but also in, dura in, in durability and construction. Um, very durable little suckers, these, these guys. And you're going to spend, you know, $25, $30. Um, but I'm going to cut over to Mike on this because Mike's got a little bit of a story in regards to earbuds and, <laughs> and their durability. So, uh, Mike, without any further ado, tell, tell me what happened with the laundry. <laughs> So I have a tendency of doing a lot of laundry in the house. You know, it, it's not, you know, a big deal. And, um, but I'm, I'm very lazy. You know, a lot of people, you know, when you know, they say, oh, you know, the husband's not doing the laundry, you know, he ruins the laundry because he doesn't sort the lights and the darks or bleaches the colors or, you know, whatever the case might be. I, I, I do the same thing. I, I'm just such yeah. a... Well, I'm pretty good about it, except yeah. I have one thing that I don't do. I don't check the pockets. So if I, you throw something yeah. in the hamper... You know, it, it's going in the wash. I don't care. Got to check those pockets, Mike. I can't believe you didn't check those pockets. Yeah, usually, well, you know, it's because we don't have a ton of money hanging around in people's pockets. Otherwise, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Poor Tori. But, uh, I was doing the laundry and, I, you know, put the stuff in the dryer and you know, pulling them out of the dryer an hour later. And I'm hearing this, you know, this tink, tink, tink. I'm like, what the heck? Uh-oh. Open up the laundry start pulling stuff out and there's a tangle of cords i'm like oh god my wife had thrown her workout gear into the laundry with a hoodie with a um uh, a set of earphones in it and uh so i'm telling her i'm like oh i'm sorry you know i destroyed your earphones and she's like that's okay you can buy me a set of tweaked audios to help support your podcast next time <laughs> and then when you destroy the next pair <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. You know, she's busting my chops about tweaked audio earbuds. <laughs> and, you know, so now I guess I'm going to be buying her some tweaked audio earbuds because I destroyed her pair. 
of like pink workout ones that she had. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Um, not not that we're gonna go out on a limb and say that you know tweaked audio earbuds would have survived the uh, the 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 oncoming apocalypse of of Mike uh, Mike's laundry uh, chores. <laughs> But what we can say here, at least, is, you know, we all have that that story where you spend ten dollars on headphones, you know, and they get destroyed in some way that you never meant to. And now you got to go out and buy another ten dollar pair of headphones. This happens all the time. One of the great things about tweaked audio headphones is, look, if you spend twenty five dollars on their headphones, twenty five to thirty dollars a roundabout. okay. And Mike throws your your headphones in the laundry. <laughs> you can at least call up Tweaked Audio and say, "Mike, Mike destroyed my headphones in the laundry," and they're gonna say, "No worries, bro. We heard about this. It happens. Here's what we're gonna do. You got a lifetime warranty on those Tweaked Audio headphones. We're gonna send you a pair for free because Mike destroyed yours in the laundry." And that's what they do at Tweaked Audio. They've got a, a lifetime warranty there, so they may or may not survive. You know. Mike throwing your stuff in the laundry, but if they don't, it's okay. You can at least give them a call at tweakedaudio.com. Give them a call. You've got that lifetime warranty. Every single purchase, no matter what you buy there, it's kind of it's coming with that lifetime warranty. They're also going to send them to you for free. So whether you're buying, buying them for the first time or they're sending you a replacement pair, they're going to send them to you for free worldwide free shipping. So... So you don't have to worry about you know the extra cost associated, especially for you UK guys out there who who like listening to our shows. Thank you, by the way, uh, to to our, uh, our our listeners out there in the United Kingdom. We know how much it it costs to send anything out of the United States over to you guys. It's, it it costs sometimes more than the product that you're buying. I know you've had those experiences there, especially if you're going to Australia too. Tweaked Audio Headphones, worldwide free shipping. You've got the lifetime warranty. And if you use our code off the record, you're going to save 30% off that whole, the price point as well. So when you go and go to checkout, type in the code off the record, you get 30% off. So tweakedaudio.com, about 25 bucks, really, really great sound output, hefty construction. These things don't fall apart. Lifetime warranty, free shipping. 30% off with our code off the record. This is a fantastic deal, guys, and just just for headphones. So so give them a try. All right. Um, thank you very much. We appreciate you uh, sitting around and waiting for uh, our our um, our tweaked audio plug. Hopefully, you found it interesting enough to to maybe give them a uh, give them a check. Um, but more interesting than than tweaked audio headphones is the Ashlanders, which Mike, you've got lots of info on this week. Do you not, sir? Yes, Ashlanders, the Anachronism of Morrowind. So this is a, actually a set of books uh, that I found on the Imperial Library. So uh, I've had to, you know, edit a little bit of it for, you know, for uh, time's sake and for what we actually want to talk about. So introduction. As is commonly known to all Dunmer, during the first age of Tamriel, the prophet Bella led the group of Altmer from the Somerset Isles, who would become the Chimmer, under the guidance of the Daedra Lords, Azura, Boethia, and Mafala. This group settled in the land which we now know as Morrowind. Over time, the group became divided and scattered, and the high culture of the Valethi vanished, resulting in the formation of various tribes. In these early divided times, the tribes came to be under the harassment of the Nordic people. To cope with this issue, many of the divided tribes consolidated. With this consolidation, these new tribes were able to drive back the Nordic invaders. 
Eventually, these consolidated tribes gave up their nomadic ways, as well as the tradition of the ancestor worship. These tribes began settling down in cities, creating more defined territories, as well as taking up the worship of the tribunal. These tribes over time evolved into the theocratic great houses culture, which we see dominating Morrowind today. But not all of the tribes consolidated and settled down. Many tribes refused to give up their nomadic ways and their traditions of ancestor worship. These tribes would come to be known as the Ashlanders, the anachronism survival of the ancestor worship tribal culture. So this is who these people are. So they are Dunmer, just not the high Dunmer that we're used to seeing. Right. So Ashlander culture and custom. The Ashlanders culture is one that is heavily influenced by its tribal nature. The Ashlanders prefer the impoverished physical culture and continued existing economy of the Ashland nomadic herder hunter. They make their living through the herding of guar and shulp and the hunting of wild guar and other natural wildlife. They find pleasure in the simpler things and accept that they will not become rich by the standards of the great houses. Most, almost all of their belongings are derived from the environment. Their weapons, armor, and even clothes are all organic and of simple design. A pure pleasure is found in hunting, in taking their time, sneaking up on their prey, and surprising it with a swift, silent arrow. This reflects much on what is taught to them by the Daedra, which they follow as they view the Daedra as their ancestors, with Boethia teaching them to be quiet and patient and cunning. Though they are able to find all that they desire in hunting and herding, the Ashlanders often involve themselves in trading with travelers and the great houses. Usually in simple items such as guar hides and shulp presents, but sometimes even trading things such as ebony. In the relations with other tribes, by tradition, at by tradition, Ashlanders claim the right to raid other Ashland tribes and non-Ashlander settlements for booty and slaves. Wow! This raiding so is gen- Ashlanders were were in, are in involved in the slave trade too. Yes, and the booty trade. It looks like. Wow! Well, okay. I'm, there's. I'm that. trying to remember. Well, <laughs> beside the booty trade, uh, I'm not, I'm trying to remember ah. if we actually see them with slaves in in Morrowind. No, but I do know that they said uh, in the ESO Live that when Morrowind for ESO comes up, that there is going to be uh, still a heavy um, slave influence going on uh, during that in that part of the the world. So they're yeah, not that makes sense. Pack. And so they still hold uh, the right for slaving. Okay. Frickin' Dunmer. (laughs) This is why we can't have nice things. (laughs) Yep. The Ebonheart Pact. Drunks, slave takers, uh, slave traders, and hippies. This rating is generally done to prove strength, as well as to gain goods and respect. Even though they claim this right, the Ashlanders will not usually attack such folk as traveling traders, caravans, and good shipments, unless they feel that the person involved has wronged them in some way. When feuds between tribes arise, they may be settled by the champion of the tribes. However, wars sometimes do occur. They have strong militaristic and authoritarian traditions found in their ancestor worship. And when war does erupt, almost all members of the tribe, not just the champions and the warriors, participate in the fighting. 
usual weapons for Ashlanders are made of chit. These being basic bows, spears, swords, daggers, and the like. Ashlanders are also excellent fighters while in their own territory, even outmatching the Empire's legions. Wars are typically avoided, for the most part, due mainly due to the fact that the Ashlanders are very few and the lives of their people are too dear to waste. However, they are extremely brave once in battle. Ashlanders, which are born into the tribe, may also be cast out or choose to leave the tribe. Ashlanders, which willingly leave the tribe, are known by the house number as left. I find it interesting, uh, Mike, I find it interesting that you mentioned that they have a... um... Uh, authoritarian um, roots in their in their society, uh, which which makes sense when you think about the fact that they 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 involve themselves with the slave trade. But at the same time, um, there's there's a uh, a deep respect for life for for themselves because there's there's too few of them around, and they they don't they don't prefer to engage in war at all. But they will if they, if if they have to. It's actually pretty common, more common than you would think when it comes to a lot of these kind of um, cultures, because, you know, they're, they're a very small culture. I mean, they, they, you know, have a very proud warrior tradition, but, you know, it makes no sense for them to actually engage in all-out combat. Uh, combat by champion is, is very common, you know, all over tribal cultures. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I could understand why. Usually, when you find um, authoritarian uh, societal roots, though, the the respect for life uh, is is not is not that deep. Um, but it seems like that's sort of checked in balance here because there's there's so few of them anyway. It's probably because they they they're nomadic people that live in a harsh environment. Well, remember, it's respect for their own life. I mean. Yeah, whenever you see an authoritarian government, well, even still. it's always nationalism and let somebody else go fight for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at the Roman Empire, you know, they would oftentimes send slaves in to do the fighting. Yeah, and so they, they deal with slaves and slave trades. You think that they're going to be sending, you know, most of their fighters out. They're going to be sending Argonians and Khajiit, you know, and Nords that have been captured in the booty trade to go fight for them. Right, yeah, of course, but usually what ends up happening um, is, you know, <clears throat> those authoritarian um, uh, societies, they, they tend to have, like, a lot of, they tend to have a lot, they, they look at their people as, as, as resources, as we would, you know, coal in, in some degree, and, and you see, you know, not much respect for, for life as well as a result of that. So that's that's sort of what I'm, you know, like contrasting it to. So large authoritarian governments, yes, versus small tribal, small tribal, right? Yeah, you know, because you know, in in the tribal society, what the chief says goes. Correct. You know, that's what I think they mean more than you know, just the ruling class, you know, and a subset class beneath them. Yeah. Just interesting, you know, like considerations is really the only reason why I bring it. Um, why I'm, you know, why I'm continuing the conversation. It's just, just you know, it's just, it just hits me as really, uh, is really kind of cool. <laughs> really interesting that, that they have this, uh, this, this small, 
culture that doesn't really represent uh, much in in Marwind um, at all. But you know, certainly when you start getting, when you start like digging your fingers into them as as a culture, you you, you start to find you know little little gems of information here that are um, that are really interesting when you start really thinking about you know well why is that and that's that's a little different and and hmm what's that all about and I like it. So back to the Ashlanders, which le willingly leave the tribe. Uh, they are those Ashlander stocks that who have abandoned nomadic life and settled among the native gunmen. The Valethi are despised by their Ashlander cousins as weak and soft, while the House Dunmer look upon the Valethi as an insignificant underclass. This use of the term Valethi, however, should not be confused with the Ashlander's urge usage, which refers to all Dunmer as the Valethi, those that are cast out from their own rogue camp or sometimes become Malagabresh, a renegade witch warrior woman who practices dark magic. The Malagabresh steals the vital essence of men in order to give themselves power and to live in all women camps, save for the few men who are unlucky enough to be captured by them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I know a couple people like this. <laughs> <laughs> all women camp that... <laughs> Never mind. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, move on. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> so, section two, the Ashlander Society. The Ashlander Society is composed of nomadic camps, which have portable huts of hides stretched on chitin frames, which can be quickly dismantled and packed atop a guar when moving to new hunting grounds and grazing grounds for the guar and the shelf. The Ashcan, Khan, of the tribe, has a much larger ute though the Khan's hut is simply a larger, more elaborate version of a family hut. Some particular qualities exclusive to these Ashlander camps include reed wind chimes, usually organic, organic lanterns of various colors, as well as decorative bug bowls. Leaders in Ashlander society are known as Khans, the chief Khan being the Ashkhan. The Ashkhan is the greatest champion of the Ashlanders and serves as the chief and war leader of the tribe, as well as being the warrior protector of the tribe's ancestral cult. The position of Ashkhan is designated by a primitive crown design designed out of organic substances, such as what appear to be chitin, dyed feathers, and the like. It is also fairly common for higher-ranking members, such as Khans, to wear enchanted clothing or armor or used enchanted weapons. However, it is quite uncommon for non-cons to use enchantments. Some Ashkans choose to have advisors apart from their Lucans and wise women, such as wizards, although this seldom occurs in recent times. I got a train coming. Hold on. Oh, uh-oh. And, uh, and here I am fighting a, uh, <laughs> looks like an assassin. I forgot these guys' names, the, uh... Oh, it's not the Dark Brotherhood. Who's the other assassin group that's here? Come on. There's Morag Tong is the other ones, but yeah, yeah. This, this looks like the Dark Brotherhood. Uh, I, I thought that was the Morag Tong, but yeah. So sorry about the, the, the terrible banging sound that, that you're hearing there on the audio. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, we've had a lot of trains come through on Friday nights recently. So below the Ashkans is the tribe in the tribe is the Farseer. 
The Farseer is a wise woman or shaman of the tribe who gives counsel to the Ashkan. Though arcane wisdom and prophecy, the wise woman or shaman is also known as the Oracle Seer, or the tribe's ancestral cult. Below the Farseer in Ashlander society is the Glucons. The Glucons serve as the chief's warriors and champions of the tribe, protecting the honor of the tribe in peace and war. The majority of Ashlanders serve the tribe as scouts, herders, and hunters, which each tribe also having a healer. As the Ashlanders are nomadic, the herd and food must be hunted. But the herders and hunters are also charged with guarding the treasure of the land that nourishes the Ashlanders and makes them strong. Ashlander Religion, Section 3. The Ashlander people have no set religion, but rather practice shamanistic primitive ancestor worship. This ancestor worship not only reveres forefathers, but the Daedra as well, primarily Azura, Boethia, and Mafala. In this ancestor worship, there are various ancestor cults, each Ashlander being born into the ancestor cult of their clan. These cults are fairly simplistic in structure. The cults are led by their Ashkan and chiefs and are guided by the Oracle Seer, a wise woman with the gift of prophecy, who is protected by a group of holy warrior heroes. The chief being a warrior protector of the cult, generally synonymous with the Ashkan of the tribe, the wise women are seen as the guardians of secret knowledge, spiritual guides, and seers into the world of the unseen, who act as counselors to the tribe and its leaders. The dream vision and prophecies of the wise women are a respected tradition in Ashlander culture. The wise women and shamans take careful note of dreams and visions, passing on the tribe's legacy of visions and prophecies to their successors. In their ancestor worship, the Ashlanders honor their dead. Extensive burial caverns are constructed by Ashlanders in which to place the dead. These burial caverns are then guarded and looked over by the ancestor spirits of the Ashlanders. The Ashlanders claim that because the dead because of the dead they use to guard their caverns, that they have been accused of necromancy, though they deny this on the grounds that it is their ancestors guarding their caverns, and that so, there that so I- there is a sacred honor in their ancestors faithfully protecting their living kin. As the Ashlanders worship their ancestors, they believe that there is no greater evil than necromancy, which they view as profaning the bones and spirits of their fathers. Now, this is actually, I thought, really kind of cool. So you have this nomadic tribe that then makes these elaborate tombs to bury their dead in so they can no longer walk around, but then, you know, have ancestors that are bound to the tomb as protectors. It's so strange when you think about it, because it's like, you'd figure, okay, maybe, you know, that they would, you know, cremate their dead and spread their ashes to mingle with the ashes of the land. Instead, you know, they, they bury them in a, in a elaborate tomb. Very elaborate. I mean, uh, in part of the main quest of uh, Morrowind, you have to go into one of these tombs and get a specific item and just the number of chambers and how it's shaped around is just it's mind-boggling it takes for if you don't know exactly where you're going you will be exploring that place and checking every corpse you can find forever yeah so uh you know hopefully we'll see some of these in uh the new uh morrowind eso expansion 
Okay, non-Ashlander relations. So how do they deal with the rest of us? Because, uh, you know, this is what we're going to look forward to. Ashlanders tend to dislike all foreigners, as well as fellow Dunmer, which have given up on the Ashlander ways. The Ashlanders wish for the foreigners to leave Morrowind, or at least leave them in peace. Even though they harbor a harsh, dish, harsh dislike for the Empire, no Ashlander is fool enough to make war against them. Though, if such a war if such a war might be won, many Ashlanders would most likely cheerfully give up their lives to the cause. Right, In their um, dislike for foreigners, Mike, Ashlanders harbor... Mike, I gotta interrupt you for just a second. Um, yep. Alright, so, sorry about the jump, guys. Uh, we just experienced a huge game crash, and uh, OBS came crashing along with it. The stream died. Um, unfortunately, you're missing a huge part of, of what Mike had uh, had said. Um, from, from, for that missing part, I'd like to just remind you guys that we do do an audio podcast and, um, you should, you should check that out for, for the full, uh, for the full story of what, of what Mike, uh, was, was talking about here in, in, um, in his missing bit. Uh, you guys are probably missing about five minutes worth of, of material from, from Mike. So, uh, in order to get that, just head over to the podcast. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to show that on the video today. And uh, again, I apologize profusely for the uh, for the uh, for the video jump. Um, okay, all right, Mike. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, I had to get that out there in the beginning of you know the video um, again, uh, just to let people know why why things looked a little chaotic. Um, but it's okay, yeah, I've please. got the video playing on one tab, and I can't watch it at the same time as I'm reading notes. So yeah, so, so please continue. <laughs> Okay, so let's see. Ashlanders and the foreigners. In their dislike of foreigners, Ashlanders harbor particular bias against certain races. They believe the Altmers soft and foolish, having abandoned their ancestors and put their faith in buildings and sorcery. They view the Argonians as useless and the Khajiit as ignorant, superstitious, and untrustworthy. How dare they say that about us? <laughs> Both races being ones that their ancestors typically kept as slaves. The Ashlanders most dislike is reserved for the Nords and the Imperials. The Nords for stealing the lands of the Ashlanders in times past, and the Imperials for forcing the Ashlanders to be their subjects. The Ashlanders do little in retaliation against the Imperials, deciding to follow the ways taught to them by Boethia, to be quiet, patient, and cunning. In conclusion, the Ashlanders are a people which believe themselves to be persevering the ancient Dunmer traditions of ancestor worship and the nomadic lifestyles of their forefathers. They are quiet, quite disdainful of outsiders, though their trust can be won, even to the point of acceptance into their tribe. They are an easily offended group that will challenge if threatened or offended and are also very exceptional warriors, especially while on their own ground. It is advised that gifts are presented when visiting as a stranger and that the proper order of conduct is followed when speaking with the tribesmen. Speak first to the Glakans or champions in order to receive permission to speak to the Ashkan or wise one. I hope that you find this to your satisfaction and that your future dealings may run smoothly. I have taken the liberty of sending along a few related documents that you might find useful. Signed and sealed Lugar Antaman, Herald of the Tribune Way. So that's the first book. It's gigantic. 
Yeah, it's a big and one. then we've got a couple of poems here. The five stars. Well, what I like about it, though, is, you know, even though it's gigantic, um, it's got a, a lot of really, really great information. And, and I think if you, um, you know, sort of be read it and be mindful or thoughtful about about what it is that you're um, you're being told, um, you know, I think I think it's really kind of awesome. And I, I I love it. I really do. And I really appreciate you, um, you know, kind of going into it and explaining this to us because, um, you know, there's there's good information in there. And uh, I'm glad we're yeah, able I to really present I really like that. when they have, like, these... They're, they're kind of like imperial reports, almost, where they talk about, like, you know, the different cultures, the different societies, what the, the people might encounter... Because it gives more than just like an in-depth or a cursory summary that uh, oftentimes is the case of what we see. Yeah. That's true. All right. Uh, what else you got, Mike? So then we have these two poems. Um, so the first poem is called The Five Far Stars. Rise from darkness, Red Mountain. Spread your dark clouds and green vapors. Birth earthquakes, shatter stone, feed the winds with fire, flay the tents of the tribe from the land, feed the burned earth with our souls. Yet never shall you have rule over me, never shall I tremble or flinch from your power, never shall I yield my home and hearth, and from my tears shall spring forth the flowers of the grassland spring. So this is a poem that uh, the wise women uh, commit to memory and transmit from generation to generation. And then the second poem is called The Words of the Wind. May I sh shrink to dust in your cold, wild waste, and may my tongue speak its last hymn to your winds. I pray for the herder that whistles to his guar at play. I pray for the hunter that stalks the white walkers. I pray for the wise one that seeks under the hill. And, and the wife who wishes for one last touch of her dead child's hand. I will not pray for that which I've lost. When my heart springs forth from your soil like a seed and blossoms anew beneath tomorrow's sun. Hmm. So that was... Scroll back up. <laughs> the ah. words of the wind. Hmm. Very pretty. Yeah, so whoever wrote those, actually, they're really two nice poems. And I, I almost wish, like... There was more po more poetry in uh, some of the games sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a good bit of lore that you know, it, like like Elder Scrolls, you know, you you can walk around and you see something in game, and you there's no story that's that's told about what you're seeing, but you know, there's there's evidence of of a story there, and and poetry is very similar to that. Um, poetry is, is not a history of a culture. It, it's not a recount of, of, um, historical events, but you can gain uh, a lot of perspective on both history and culture, especially from an outside, uh, culture as well from poetry. And in Elder Scrolls, we get a lot of uh, historical accounts, sometimes historical accounts that purposefully contradict one another, uh, for, for various reasons. 
But what we don't get a lot of, like you were saying, is, is poetry. And, um... Yeah, because the poetry comes from the people that are, are telling the poem. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you know, it's the way that they look at the world, you know, and things that are important to them at that time versus historical accounts or, you know, propaganda accounts, you know, tell a completely different story to try and persuade somebody or try and record a, an, an event. Correct. So. Absolutely. And um, it's, you know, to have more of that in Elder Scrolls, I think would only do the game and the, the cultures that they try and um, f- make them feel, you know, different than than others that you've encountered. Um, I think you could only do it a, a, a major service. You know, can, can you imagine what Nordic poetry would sound like as compared to, you know, um, Elven? Well, especially like with Nordic uh, cultures, because it's an oral tradition, you know, traditional scald, you know, poetry is an oral retelling of stories in, you know, in verse. Uh, if you want to get an experience of it, there's been recently a number of publications by the Tolkien Society of some of the Germanic and um, Norse type uh, mythologies. Uh, there was, um, um, oh, I just got done reading the book and I can't remember, Kulavero, uh, which is Finnish uh, translation, to get an idea of what, you know, some of these kind of stories. I mean, Beowulf is an example. Oh, you talk about the Kalevala? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, so Beowulf is an example of like uh, scald type poetry reading. So it's not, you know, like very sing songy in nature. Um, you know, so I, I could see it being, you know, really cool um, to see some Nord, you know, poetry and culture. And not like, you know, the drunk Nord stuff that, you know, we're, we see so often in this game nowadays. Right. Where the right. Nord culture is presented as, you know, a bunch of, you know, you know, barroom brawlers that have had too much mead. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, what else you got? So that is the end of the history of, but we do have our next advertiser, and I brought uh, a pick for that one. So our Audible uh, sponsor, uh, you can go to uh, Quest Gaming Network and click on our link for our Audible trial, and uh, you can pick up a free audiobook. And uh, you know, I've been reading through a number of books, and uh, The Sword of Shannara, the Shannara series book one by Terry Brooks is on there as one that you can get. It's 26 hours long. Wow. And, uh, you know, yeah, especially since this summer, uh, MTV's uh, Shannara Chronicles are coming back. So, you know, if you want to get a better idea of uh, what's going on in season two, you know, maybe you want to pick up some of these books from the series. So a long time ago, the wars of the ancient evil ruled the ruined the world. In the peaceful, shady vale, half-elfin Shay Olmsford knows little of such troubles. But the supposedly wicked, supposedly dead warlock, Lord, is plotting to destroy everything in his wake. The sole weapon against this power of darkness is the Sword of Shannara, which can only be used by only a true heir of the Shannara. Uh, on Shay, last of his bloodline rests the hope of all the races. And it's actually a really cool series. I don't know if you've ever gotten into the series, but it's a post-apocalyptic Earth where centuries have passed since uh, a massive war has taken out pretty much all of the population. People have gone into hiding. 
uh, people have mutated under the chemicals and radiation to become dwarves and gnomes and trolls. And uh, magic has sprung forth from all of the damage that the earth has taken and elves have returned. So, you know, it's a really cool series. Uh, different take on high fantasy that we're used to from like Lord of the Rings. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, very similar tropes that we're all used to in the high fantasy world. Right. Hmm. Sounds good. I, I have to admit, I'm still stuck on the 26 hours. I mean, okay, first of all, if you get a 26 hour book for free, you know, of, you know like audio book, that's, that's frankly amazing. But I remember when I was a kid going on long road trips with my parents. We we would go like across the island at least twice a year, at least. And it was an eight hour trip. And every, every once in a while we'd pick up one of these books on tapes. And usually it might, it would be like Jurassic Park, for example, was one we listened to. And it was eight hours long four tape cassettes and that was a long book yeah now now let's let's break this down all right you know t- 26 hours now, now what was the name of this again mike the name of it is the sword of shannara the shannara series book one okay so you know if you if you go to our our link on audible audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network this could be yours for free you know a tremendous amount of value right there just by going to that link all right, audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network. Just by going to that link, tremendous amount of value right there um, for, for free. And, you know, give it a try. If you like the service, fantastic. If not, hey, you know, it's okay. No no worries. No cost to you uh, at all whatsoever. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be getting through this uh, this mage. Um, okay, well, Mike, uh, thank you both for the... Uh, for the, for the history of it was really really interesting to to learn a lot about the Ashlanders and uh, of course for the pick uh, for for Audible I uh, really appreciate that let's uh, let's ho- head over to um, uh, Mark right now where uh, Mark you're gonna tell us a little bit about what the Ashlanders have meant to the the series as a whole and uh, yeah. also a little bit maybe about uh, some other indigenous folks that we've we've come across in other games. I, I think- yeah, I, I think we can slip a couple in there. Yeah, all right. So, n- needless to say, uh, the Ashlanders—they um, weren't in Dag- they weren't in Arena. Uh, surprisingly, they weren't in Daggerfall either. Nothing's in Arena. <laughs> Nothing's in Arena. But surprisingly, not in Daggerfall. Um, I thought that they actually were mentioned for the first time in the Guide to the Empire that came with Redguard, because that's where we first hear of the Tribunal and. Uh, the whole thing with bone, bone mold and everything else like that, but no, they're not there either. They the first time that they show up is here in Morrowind. So they were created because in development, it's clear that the Morrowind team disgui- decided that they needed some something, some new narrative aspect to the game. So what is that? Well, when you look at what the Nervarine steps into in Morrowind. You have the P- the Dunmer are broken into these two groups. You have the very the nomadic, very traditionalist um, Ashlanders, and then you have, frankly, the rest of Dunmer society, which follows the tribunal. 
one follows the old god the old gods and the old ways of ancestor worship the other is new and more modern but at the same time they follow a de- you know they follow false gods who frankly are dying and disaster as these people are split apart the, this disa- there is this massive disaster coming that no one no one with the exception of the, the tribunal are really aware is actually imminent so what, sort of what what's what's the point of that i mean well looking at it i find that it does a really good example of um you see these it shows different aspects of the dunmer it shows that uh, what they have now is not what they've always had and that there are pros and cons of everything. And as the game goes on, we see that basically the, the whole point of the Nervarine is to unite these people and that becomes a major part of the game is getting both sides to come together to create a new way for the Dunmer. We eventually find out that, well, that didn't work because the entire island got nuked, but for the purposes of Morrowind, we're just going to focus on that. Mm. So, I, I, I found it was very interesting when, when you really think about it, because the the rest of Morrowind is, seen, is always presented as this very, um, almost, in a way, it's a very decadent society. There, You know, there's clubs everywhere um slaves are used uh they love the finer things and then you come to the ashlanders and i know that it mentions that they do take slaves but maybe i i really can't actually remember any slaves being being in their camps when when you explore them and you have to go to every single one of their camps and these things are not big, and there's not much place to hide your slaves. Uh, don't you see Ashlanders in Dragonborn 2, the uh, Skyrim DLC? Uh, no, no, you don't. Um, you you don't you don't see the Ashlanders there because, um, well, oh, actually, you know what kind of you do? I I, um, I can't I I'm pretty sure the, I the, saw like a wandering what? NPC there. It was called an Ashlander. Oh, I haven't seen met that wandering as NPC, but it's quite possible. Uh, we do learn that the um, that the Ashlanders have kind of taken over the tribunal, uh, the tribunal temple, because they're you know uh, the the sorry the Dunmer are going back to the worship of the day of the three Daedra. But I, I always found it interesting that. You know the the Ashlanders were used to to show this great divide among the the Dunmer, and to help you become that much more of a hero, and make it a much more intimidating journey by having to bring about this unity that hadn't existed for frankly thousands of years, which kind of gets into more of the gameplay aspect of the. Uh, of the of the Ashlanders, because the other thing that they add is padding, lots mm-hmm. and lots and lots of padding. <laughs> okay. Morrowind has a great plot line, and I really enjoy it. 
My problem with the main plot in Morrowind, though, is that just when it gets really interesting, when you've been revealed to be the Nervarine, you are now, if I recall, the, yeah, you are now basically immortal. You do not, you know, you are immune to disease and all this all good stuff. That is the point in which the game says, congratulations, now to move on and stop the big bad, you need to go to every one of these uh, seven different places and grind out quests for each faction until they can tell you to move on. Right, oof. And it's the three houses and the four tribes. And to be fair to the tribes, there's not as many quests with the houses. The houses you have to get like, five different people to approve for me, for you and each one's kind of got its own little quest. The tribes on the other hand, you are required to basically wander the length and breadth of northern and eastern Morrowind, which frankly there's no fast travel options there. So frankly, it takes forever to do this section even if you have a very fast character. And this is always in any playthrough I do where I really consider just putting the game down because it's such a grind. Ugh. Well, it is now, called world building, so you know, they want you well, to Well, to, there's to... there's world building and then there and I love wandering around in Morrowind and Skyrim and that. But there comes a point where I don't want to walk down this road three more times for 10 minutes each in order to just get this quest over and done with. You know, it's it's that type of, if I'm running up and down the same line several times, it's no longer fun. It's just taking forever. And that's, that's sort of, that's, that's what I really don't like about the entire Ashlander quest line, is that for the most part, you kind of get into this just grindy little one, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes back, 10 minutes here again, 10 minutes back. But at the same time, as much as I don't like that aspect of their quests, they have individually very good quests and they're all very interesting. Um, and, I, you know, I love that. And they have the added bonus of it gives you NPCs to deal with in the northern and eastern part of Vardenfell. And that means that they were able, because that they can, here's these very tiny pockets of what you can technically call civilization. We can now keep these sections much more wild because the players don't necessarily need to get to a big city. We, we don't have to put cities here for the player to deal with. If the player wants to find a place to rest or something, here are place people that can provide that for them. But now we can we can go we can make things much more dangerous and interesting. We can put the entire coast full of nothing but Daedra and, and all these temples and lost things everywhere. Make it clear that very few people can eke out a living in these in these wilds. Hmm. So that that also helped. Um, and I think though that if I because my only real issue it isn't the quest quality of the quests it's the the way that they're introduced and the requirement of how to do them i kind of think what would have made a much more interesting idea is for you to go to all the different clans 
have to deliver an invitation to have them come together to some moot of some type, uh, some giant clan meeting. And then when you go to this meeting, you have this all the cl- all the all the tribes of the Ashlanders together for the first time in centuries, and then they have you undergo tests with uh, for them all at this great gathering. You know, maybe do some political wheeling and dealing while you're at it. I think that would have been a much more interesting and effective way of doing it than, again, requiring you to just wander back and forth between camps and grind out individual quests. Yeah, I could see that. That definitely what sounds like... Clan clam Clan clam bake? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, mud crab bake? So, Mark, let me ask mud you this. Mud crab bake? <laughs> we, we've... Um, <laughs> We've heard uh, we've heard a lot about the uh, the Ashlanders from from Mike. You know specifically um, what what makes in Elder Scrolls um, other indigenous folks like like this? Uh, what what's what makes them you know similar? What makes them different than than other ones out there? You know I know we were talking off air. Um, we mentioned the Forsworn, right? Yeah. Uh, the Forsworn, the Scald. Really, it seems that they use these indigenous groups to sort of underline um, underline issues that are going on away from society. Uh, or even there are times that they use them to underline major issues in society. Uh, from the things that are going on away from society, I think that the best example is the Scald. Uh, the Scald show up in Morrowind and they all, in the Blood Moon expansion. And they show up again in Skyrim centuries later in the Dragonborn expansion. And the Skald are a people who live on the far north of Solstheim. This is pretty much as far north as people live on ta- in Tamriel. Any further north, and you basically need to go to Atmora to find land. And that's a frozen ice, uh, ice ball where no one lives anymore. So... For the Scald, they're very at one with nature. All their stories are about the land and basically very... um, They look at it in a very spiritual way. Everything has its own life and spirit. In Blood Moon, they stand in comparison to the Imperials, or who are in the... the, uh, um, Oh, the Easter Empire Company, I think it's called? Yeah. Yeah, the East Empire Company, which are building Raven Rock to the far south. So you you can see the very industrial, commerce-based uh, East Empire par- uh, Company, which you end up, part of your reward for these quest lines is getting a share in the company and helping make that share grow, as opposed to the Scald, who, again, are, they're not nomadic, but they have leave a very simple life, and they're happy with that. But at the same time, they're shown as uh, they, their struggles highlight when something is going wrong with the natural order. For example, in Blood Moon, the problem is the Blood Moon. Uh, her scene is be, is peeking through. The werewolves are about. The natural order is being upset. We come back to them again in uh, in Dragonborn, and yet again, the uh, things are coming apart. And instead, 
the the thing that's coming apart is Mirak, this supernatural force that is now reaching across the war across uh, frankly dim, uh, from oblivion and basically trying to destroy them and again in Dragonborn beyond that we also see another separation between them and the people of the south because the south is an ash filled hellhole filled with what are effectively refugees trying to make a new life for themselves right. and they're in the north in the clean white wilderness uh, you know clean pure um, snow filled you know uh, filled wilderness that they sorry <laughs> blarg basically in this wilderness that uh, they are at peace and well established and they don't have the same struggles that are in the south so really they're used to sort of mark contrasts okay and yep go ahead um, no I was just you know I was I was saying okay and uh, you know I mean, as far as like the Ashlanders go, and and other and the other, um, so so that's what they're used for uh, narratively. But uh, you know, yeah. in in lore and and what I mean, do do you see any any like you know cool comparisons or or contrasts um, when it comes to you know some of these other indigenous folks? Well, it's interesting with the um, uh, with the scald. They really are sort of very opposite to the to the Ashlanders, simply because they're a very peaceful folk. They're very, um, the Ashlanders are nomadic. They have found themselves a stable position. Really, it's it's for them. It's mostly um, they, all of them have their own beliefs that set them apart from the rest of society, and they choose to live in a harsh environment. That's for the most part the main difference. Um, really, I think that the one that is most similar to the Ashlanders is probably the Forsworn, with the exception that the Forsworn have basically decided to just go straight to violence to fight back against what they see as, um, the wrong way or people or the invaders, those that have taken their, what they see as their land. Right, and um, it, it's actually actually an interesting comparison I found with for the for the Forsworn. As I started to think about this, was in a way the Forsworn are sort of mimicking the storm the Stormcloaks. The Stormcloaks feel that they that uh, the Empire needs to be sh- taken, you know, shoved out of Skyrim. It's uh, Skyrim for the Nords, and then you've got the Forsworn who feel that. The Nords have taken over their land, and they want them gone. Right, and, and the Forsworn are are actually a nomadic tribe. Of, well, not a nomadic tribe, but a tribe. Yeah. of Bretons. Yeah, well, they're they're actually kind of described as a, a mongrel folk in ESO, sort of uh, the blood of Bretons, Nords, and I believe they even said orcs. Um, so they're they're not they're like Bretons, but not. And I quite. used to like them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you I know, was waiting for that. Sometimes, sometimes you can't. Uh, I mean, let, let's yeah. be honest. I'm sure that that uh, orc blood that got mixed in there was not, uh, you know, wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds good. And anyway, uh, actually, one thing that uh, also struck me was that 
when you think about the Forsworn, let's face it, what are they in? It's all furs, leather. Their swords are just bones tied together. Like, everything is very, very primitive. Yeah. And yet, when you think about it, where are they fighting? Where are They're they fighting? fighting? In, yeah. In, in, yeah. What? what it, well, sorry? Mostly in Skyrim. Well, no, but a very specific spot of, of Skyrim. Right. The people that they are most after, like the the ca- the capital of the whole that they're trying to take as their own, is Markarth. And Markarth is basically what you could consider the most industrial, quote-unquote, place in Skyrim. It's, it's Dwemer built. It is nothing but stone and metal everywhere. So... In a way, it, it, again, contra- it, again, these indigenous folk provi- are used to provide contrast because their way of life, which is very savage and active and very primitive, is being pushed against the people of Markarth, who are very, very businesslike. Very, it's Markarth is a very dark, gray, um, almost somber city. And at the same time, it's surrounded by the highest technology known on Nern. So again, you got you have these interesting little contrasts between everything. So, um, that's true. I've I've never actually really realized that before um, with with Markarth. I, I mean, you know, Dwimmer technology is dotted all throughout um, Skyrim anyway you know especially you know the oh up, yeah up against the mountains there in in um, in the in the rift um, you know certainly uh, the northern um, mountainous area uh, of where the pale is I think uh, or or maybe more uh, maybe more white winterhold the Winterhold area, that's where um, yeah. you've got Blackreach, it's in the Winterhold area. Yep. And, but it really but is yeah, concentrated it, around there. Around Markarth. Yeah. Well, especially, um, and that's the thing, Markarth is the only place where humans have actually decided to live within a Dwemer ruin. Every, everywhere else, like, the ruins are left to their own. They're basically abandoned. Right. Or they're inhabited by bandits. Or they're inha- well, and but I wouldn't consider bandits to be a civilization, especially yeah. once you, once, especially once you're done with them. <laughs> hey, what are you saying about me? <laughs> you're a they're you're experience a grinders, bandit destroyer. I don't remember a quarry of rock being on the way to Balmora, but all right, <laughs> I guess I'll just keep following these signs. All right, um, <laughs> so so Mark, anything else in regards to? Um, in, in regards to in regards to this, no. Uh, that's that's kind of the, all the things that struck me. All right, um, sort of a loss of words on my part on that one. There, sorry about that, guys. Oh, it's okay. I, I know I'm I'm looking at it. It's like oh, I am so lost. Yeah, I'm just like, where, where did where the hell did this come from? This is why Morrowind came with a paper map. That that that's it, that's it. It's really like. Honestly, you can't get away around Morrowind your first time in <laughs> unless you have a map. Yeah. Or infinite patience. I mean, the game itself, I think, is still beautiful until you go into third person and you see this. 
Yeah. Oh, the yeah. The Morrowind strut. It's just the, <laughs> the, the, the gangly uh, features of my of my character. That's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, this wouldn't even pass for... Well, I mean, it might pass for, like, you know, an animation um, storyboard, but I'm not even sure all that well. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's just stop my character here for a second and uh, tab out for a minute here, um, which is what I think, believe, I believe, caused the, the crash that we had earlier. All right, folks. <laughs> uh, fast question of the week. Everyone ready? Go ahead. All right. Yeah. From a role-playing perspective, do you find it difficult to play a character that identifies as one of the Ashlanders? Yes or no, and then we'll get into it. Mike. I would say no. Mark. Um, I would say no as well. Mm. I I do. I would. I would. Um okay. So so you guys said yes. Um Mike, why why would you say no that that you you wouldn't find it from a role playing perspective. You wouldn't find it hard at all. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing to remember is that uh when you're dealing with something like the Ashlanders, um you're you're really dealing with a tribal culture and you're not dealing with like homesteads and complex political situations, you're you're really talking about like you know, living on the land, you know, living out of huts and tents, camping, you know, kill or be killed type of things. Very much the uh, the uh, as Mark put it, the murder hobo type of play style. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I definitely hear that. Uh, all right, Mark, what about you? Why? Why yes? Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's not it's not as cut and dry as saying that uh, they are just this because they're their own thing. But at the same time, it's like, can you can you imagine role playing as Conan the Barbarian? Because if you can picture that sort of wild, un uncivilized character you can you've got a basis to approach the ashlanders from and from there it's it's sort of more then you just need to sort of look at their mythology and and that type of thing and you can build a character from there because a lot of the the sort of like the idea of wise women and uh uh tribal champions th those are sort of tropes and traditions that are are found in in reality and and fiction right but and i guess as a now so i feel i could play one without too much difficulty whether it would be my favorite character to play probably not it's i i'm don't really generally go in for very barbaric characters myself yeah but at the same time i can definitely see i can definitely see running one yeah uh, see now i I hear what you're saying, and um, I, I get it. I definitely get it. But I, I would the, – the reason why I think I would have a hard time doing it is is because for the reasons that you actually cited, um, Mike said, you know, it's not hard at all uh, because, 
you know, you're you're kind of doing this in the game anyway. You know, you're you're a player uh, who created a character that doesn't really associate um, with with anyone un until you start playing the game. Um, the Ashlander life is very similar to what you actually end up doing in the game. Is really what Mike was saying that you know you're kind of like a murder hobo. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> murder hobo for hire, right? And Mark saw, sort of spun on that by saying, "Imagine being a barbarian, and that's kind of what you're doing. You know, you're sort of nomadic as a player, and it shouldn't be that hard at all to imagine yourself as an Ashlander who is who is nomadic." I, I sort of see that, and I say, "That's exactly why I, I would have a hard time doing it. Um, it's not unique enough in in um, in culture and gameplay style." Uh, that I would feel any different. You know, one of the things that I would want to feel as, you know, if I'm role-playing as something different is I want to feel that difference. I want to feel like I'm I'm wearing armor. I'm using weapons of a certain style. Um, that that if I walk into a town um, that is, that is, you know, anti-me, um, I I, I will would expect an amount of hostility hostilities i would uh expect amount uh, a certain amount of welcomeness if i were to walk into um you know an ashlander camp and and um for one reason or another you know that just doesn't that just doesn't happen and um i would i would feel as if that um you just don't get that. You know, if you ally yourself with the Stormcloaks or with the Imperials, you know, you, you get a, a sense of the difference between the two. Um, but if you, if you, you know, roleplay your character as a Forsworn, you know, no, you can't walk into a Forsworn camp and they're not going to attack you. Um, there, there's nothing, uh, there's, there's no culture that, that sort of, um, that you can observe from afar and say, oh, that's, that's definitely a forsworn song versus when you go into certain inns in in uh, Skyrim especially you know you're hearing a slightly different version of a song um, in from the stormcloak side as you than you would from the imperial side so I guess you know in in conclusion the reason why I feel like I would have a hard time role-playing is uh, as a as an ashlander is simply because um I just don't think that the game would give me enough uh things to to uh cloak myself in that representation in order to make it feel any differently than the nord i created in morrowind just a day ago yeah no that follows i i understand that yeah um although the idea i find is, is extremely exciting i find yeah, I it exciting cool if like like if you could like choose like some type of like you're gonna play an ashlander let's say and you know, be able to, 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 uh, what do they call it? Um, you know, when they um, uh, put you, you know, like in the same faction, uh, you know, as that thing, so that you know, you wouldn't be attacked on site by Forsworn or by Ashlanders or, you know, whatever the case might be. Because I think that would be a cool way, you know, that the developers could, you know, encourage that kind of game. Right. All right. Um, we've got uh, about fifteen minutes left in the show, and uh, I want to jump over to uh, to the crafting table here. Now, um, 
Mike, you uh, you had found this this tiny little mod for for Morrowind, right? Yeah. So I always like to bring mods that we are actively using in our game, so we can talk about it. Uh huh. And you know, for anybody who's played Morrowind, especially if you're like me, yeah. you know, you didn't come from it from Daggerfall like Mark did. You came from it from Skyrim. And so this one really spoke to me when I saw it. So it's called Run Faster. Faster Running Speed by Master of No Crack. I was one of those guys who played Skyrim and Oblivion first. Skyrim for the win. So then after finishing them, I wanted to play another Elder Scrolls game. So I got more wind. I was angry and frustrated with it because of the slow pace of things. A long time after giving up on it, I wanted to play it again. Because... I had just played Skyrim all over again, too. So, on a quest to make Morrowind less tiring, I searched on the Nexus for a mod that increased running speed, but I didn't find it. And, out of desperation, I opened up the construction set and somehow found the values and increased them. Booyah! Out of desperation. <laughs> Please, I God, make this actually make run faster! <laughs> desperation? Oh, love that. I'm still kind of frustrated and angry, but it's fun, and I can't stop playing it. And it is a lot more immersive than other Elder Scrolls games. I had searched and found out that there were many like me who disliked the running speed, and I wanted to help them too. So I made this mod. Mm. So <laughs> now you can run too in Morrowind. <laughs> now, now you too can can run in Morrowind. Hey, uh, I just wanna I just wanna throw out there, guys, um, in the chat room. Okay, um, I thought I thought Valen didn't care about about Morrowind uh, at all. <laughs> since since we had this discussion off air with with um, you know Elder Scrolls off the record Guild uh, member and uh, and darling to us all uh, Valen uh, <laughs> in Teamspeak, we had said, "Hey Valen, since you love um, Morrowind so much, we're doing classic tonight in Morrowind." And um, Mar he he said he said that uh, he he uh, we told him rather we told him if you don't show up you clearly don't care about Morrowind at all that that you're really just just you know a poser. Well, for the entire stream, I didn't see him here, and I thought that you know Valen just didn't care about Morrowind at all. But uh, <laughs> Valen's here and uh, showing showing us that he does care uh, about about Morrowind. So yes, he is one of our biggest uh, Morrowind <laughs> fans in the guild. So if you want to talk Morrowind, just show up in our team speak and he will talk to you about Morrowind. Uh, <laughs> he's like, what? You know, I've been here the whole time. Bust his balls, show up to team speak and talk about Morrowind. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Valen. Look, he's, he's protesting. He's like, I've been here the whole time. What are you talking about? <laughs> Could you imagine if poor Valen didn't say anything in the chat? Like what we'd be doing to him after the show on TeamSpeak? <laughs> what you'd be doing to him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, pro I probably would give him a little, give him a little razzin as they as they say. <laughs> well, Valen, I'm very happy that uh, not, not only have you been here the entire show, but that you said something, you know, just for your own sake. Because <laughs> you probably would have received some some pretty harsh, uh, pretty harsh criticism from myself. As uh, of course, all joking, of, of course. Um, but I had to I had to throw it in there simply because we were we were razzing the poor guy before the show. <laughs> oh, Valen. Um, okay, so we've got two emails, folks, and um, 
Uh, Mike, I'd like you to uh, to read the first one, please, from Gordo. Switch back over to the notes. <laughs> so, hello. I've been a long-time listener and fan, but this is the first time I've messaged you like this. Anyway, I've been playing Skyrim Special Edition on PlayStation 4 and found this great mod I think Avarwin would like. I know Avarwin prefers vanilla Skyrim, but this mod adds 37 new dungeons to the game, and it would be a great add-on to the late, late, Elder Scrolls stream. So far, the rewards are typical, but the dungeons are great for us dungeon crawler types. This mod, plus a Morrowind music mod earlier today, I think I keep thinking of how much of our one would have finding these and running through them on late, 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 late night. Hope this gets you, gets to you, and happy dungeon. Thanks to the whole network for all you guys and gals do and for the continuing to put out great content. May the foos be with you, Gordo. P.S. This mod has been on the Skyrim Nexus for a couple of years, so you may have played it, but it's been updated for SSE, and myself being a console player, mods are a few are a new world for me. So that's great, except for one thing. Yeah, he doesn't name the mod, does he? <laughs> no! I, I, I was wondering about it. I keep looking for a link. Or... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm reading the email, I'm like, Wait, there's the name of the mod's not here. So, so Gordo, get in contact with us again so that uh, we know what mod it is that you're talking about yeah. with these 37 new dungeons. That's awesome. Um, yeah, th- see, I wanted to, the reason why I wanted to put this email in in the show today was um, because uh, I think this is really awesome. Um, a mod that that adds 37. I mean, I've seen some some mods out there that that add you know one, two, ten. 10's been the most that I've seen dungeons in the game but 37 that's huge over 9,000 <laughs> <laughs> 6 over minute abs 9,000 <laughs> um I think and I'm going to go out on no well there's there's one called forgotten dungeons that uh adds 28 new radiant quest enabled dungeons Oh, where do they so, put them in the, in the basement of the Banner and Mirror? Gordo said thirty-seven. Yeah, not not that's not thirty-seven. Then that's is it? Twenty-eight is not thirty-seven. Oh, oh, wait. Varwin, uh, what's that, Mike? It's Canadian math. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, let's see. Thirty-nine brand new dungeons slash forgotten dungeons mod. That's not okay, thirty-seven. So, that's true. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> maybe, maybe he meant the one that's 39. Yeah, probably know, the 39 he one. To this May, and, uh, maybe they us. added two more dungeons, but between then and now, Gordo, you're killing us. Come on. <laughs> Let's see if we could find Gordo on Twitter and send him a tweet and say, "Hey." We're doing the show. What dungeon is this? A mod <laughs> yeah. What mod is this? What mod are you talking about, Gordo? <laughs> Let's see if we can find him on, on Twitter. Don't leave us hanging, late, man. Night, yeah. Hopefully if he watches it's... late, late night, he's probably just getting up. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. How do I do it? I, I shouldn't be doing it, but it's it's it's. <laughs> I'm up anyway, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. I think it's this gentleman right here, Joel G., who, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna send him, uh, <laughs> send him a tweet. Um, before I get, before I tweet poor Gordo, uh, we do have, um, 
We do have another email here that comes from Vince. Who says, okay, wow. So, I bought Morrowind for the PC the other... For, for PC the day it came out. May 1st, 2002. I remember buying a new video card just so I had the power to run it back then. The opening cinematic, exploring Satanine, the crazy amount of different atmospheres as the island was traversed. I was in med school at the time with limited time, but... It was how I'd sometimes end my night, an immensely satisfying way of decompressing. I played it for so many months and probably years straight. Classic Bethesda game. Mods, even back then, by the way. Fast forward to 2005. I repurchased it for Xbox. Moved to Columbus, Ohio. First big TV. Downtown, downtown living. City view. Sipping coffee or beer or the occasional scotch. Jeremy Saul blasting for my Dolby hookup. Wife. Trying to understand what was so awesome about it. Caius Casadas, who, who, by the way, is standing uh, <clears throat> shirtless right here next to me. Oh, my. Balmora, those crazy Telvani. How immense Vivek was. The amount of places to visit. My favorite game for over half a decade, until with almost no leisure budget money, I got an Xbox 360 and Oblivion, day one, and... Still recall my wife's disapproving. Look walking in the door with that. She's so awesome, but ha! To that moment. Morrowind dropped somewhat right after the last revolutionary RPG wave in the late 90s with all the Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dales, Planescape, Torment, Black Isle studio games. And if it was first person done insanely well and from someone who remembered arena and Daggerfall in high school, a phenomenal achievement and mind blowing to see 15 years later, this announcement today, a historic Varden fell hundreds of years earlier with the backdrop and power of Zenimax one Tamriel and ESO in general beyond hyped man, the music, the collector's edition done reversed, insta-ordered <laughs> an art book yep. a cloth map a cloth map cloth maps wow dates to old school 1980s ultima richard garriott style right there most excellent so yeah count me hyped aware some folks have uh have felt morrowind was one of the weaker original games taken at the time it was just amazing to me i haven't really ever felt that way if it felt raw, open, old, intriguing, mysterious, and time has... Rego. Just jumped in front of my, my, my reading. <laughs> <laughs> and time hasn't dulled that even compared to what Oblivion and Skyrim did. And knowing how awesome ESO is and what a dedicated group strives to continually optimize and make it the best MMO ever. I mean, come on. This is just super, super... Excellent and immensely cool news. Quote, each event is preceded by prophecy, but without the hero, there is no event. End quote. Morrowind intro. Zurin Arctus, the Underking. Cheers from Vince. Well, Vince, um, your, your email was uh, so enthusiastic that I, I could not uh, see, see fit to not include it on on uh on classic this week and uh kaius casadas has got some moon sugar in here 
Wow, he's a skooma addict. <laughs> oh. That that is apparently actually his cover. What's that? He's in charge of the blades, and his cover is skooma addict. That's a pretty good cover, but you know, I tend to think that maybe he is just a skooma addict. <laughs> well, you know, that explains a lot with you know the shirtlessness and. Some of the other creepy stuff that's going on in there. Right, and the The fact that when I, you know, live in his house, I just throw my stuff on the floor and be like, yeah, deal with it, buddy. (laughs) And he's, like, fine with it. He's okay with it. He's totally cool with it. Well, anyway, uh, Vince, thank you very much for the email. Um, We're all looking forward to ESO Morrowind as well. So much so, in fact, that the next two episodes of classic Elder Scrolls are going to be based right here in Morrowind. And we're going to be looking at lots of different aspects of the lore as as we do. So uh, get get hyped for that, too. Anyway, um, that is the end of our show. And uh, I want to thank everyone on the stream here for uh, not only coming by, but also your, your patience as we stream Marwind. Unfortunately, we've had uh, quite, a, quite a few hiccups today, but um, the podcast seems to be going all right. And uh, hopefully the, the video, we can sort of splice that together. Um, so, I, again, I just want to thank you guys for hanging out with me on that. Also on YouTube, uh, thank you very much for for uh, checking out the video. Uh, if you did enjoy what we did, please like and subscribe. Uh, like the video, subscribe to our channel, and uh, leave a comment below. We we definitely love the uh, the engagement uh, in the comment section. Um, yeah. So uh, l- let's uh, let's leave off with uh, final thoughts, starting with Mike. I really like the idea of the Ashlanders, and um, there was actually a ton of information. But I thought that the reading I did there was as most concise as you could get without, you know, having just way too much. Yeah, getting um, off into the weeds. Yeah, they're a, a very interesting culture. And um, if you haven't seen the pictures of the giant mud crab that uh, they have as one of the tribes there uh, resides by or in, you know, go check it out and go find it in Morrowind before uh, it comes out in ESO. Okay. And Mark? Uh, I know it didn't get brought up in in the episode, but um, there is a free uh, there, there is basically a sound expansion that um, was made to go with Morrowind that uh, you can actually get for free on uh, the unofficial Elder Scrolls page uh, pages, and uh, th- this was official put out by. Um, Bethesda, there's actually a number of these official free uh, DLCs that you can get there. And the sound one adds like wind chimes and everything as you're going through oh. the uh, the camps of the Ashlanders. And it's just, it's it's such an interest, like, it's just perfect. Like, I just love going, when that's loaded up, I just love going into their camps and just, you can hear the wind chimes going. Yeah. Sounds nice. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of our show. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, downloading, and uh, sharing sharing us with your, your social media. I uh, just want to throw out there that um, once the show gets uh, uploaded later on, um, we're going to be doing uh, late, late Night Elder Scrolls as well, so look forward to that. Uh, as well as Dancing with Daggers, which is going to record uh, right after we're done here. And um, so that's that's uh, every Friday starting at 10:30. But you know, da- daggers uh, they 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 gave us a little extra time there. So um, right after this is going to be dancing with daggers. 
Uh, next week is going to be Elder Scrolls Off the Record. We're going to be talking about all the uh, the latest news from Elder Scrolls Online and the Elder Scrolls in general right there uh, next week as well. But you also don't want to miss on QGDND, uh, which is going to be recording next Friday as well. At, uh, I think they start up at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern. 8 o'clock Eastern for, for You Q- mean uh, KD Radio. Yes, I'm sorry. I said QGD and yeah, QGD and D is not live. <laughs> no, that no, no, it is not. I apologize, guys. Um, my head's everywhere. KD Radio with Shaleen and Vendatron uh, next Friday. They start up at eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, new new episode of QGD and D coming. Uh, Would you say, Mark, this uh, this weekend? Yeah. Oh, definitely. All right. So check QuestGamingNetwork.com for the Dungeons and Dragons. Roleplay podcast. As we continue the Curse of Strahd. Ah, what's also the Vukala? <laughs> the Vukala. <laughs> it's sucking brain out of his nose. <laughs> you, you have to listen to the episode to get that one. <laughs> and you have to have watched uh, a very particular Don Knotts and uh, Tim Conway movie to get the thing that is being referenced. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, guys. Well, as always, take care, be safe, and may the foose be with you. Oh, no!